Hello and welcome back to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, your host, joined today by Mason from Buffalo. Welcome back, Mason. And uh, happy podcast day. It is International Podcast Day. We are podcasters. Uh, send us boxes of donuts because that's what we deserve for National Podcast Day uh, is, you know, some gifts because we work we work very hard. Like, but we... This is hard work, right, Mason? Like we're we're oh, in the salt, right. we're in the coal mines right now. Like you know, some people you know some people go go work under beams and stuff. But guess what? It's just as hard to turn on a, a wired mic or in uh, Mason's case, a set of earbuds. Like it's it's just as difficult. And and to have to sit and talk about football into a mic, it's a grind. I mean, not a lot of people not a lot of people can do it. So. Thank uh, hey, thank me for my service. So thank you for your service, Mason. And now, if you want to thank me for my service, you you can. Oh yeah, no, I mean absolutely. Thank you for your service. I mean, since, thank you. you know coming on thank and, and getting to do this it. with you. I have realized. I mean, this is a, a, a real grind right here. I mean, I've got to say that I put you know an, an unconscionable amount of time into um, you know the amount of notes that I've taken. We'll, we'll say absolutely. that at least. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Be very. We take know, this very seriously. Extremely. And I mean, you know, the party I threw myself today, you know, it, it took a lot of time, effort and uh, monetary funds, most of which were not my own, uh, you know, but the podcasters need to be thanked today. If, if, if yeah. there were, you know, not a day to do it, today's the day. And so it just, I felt like the credit cards that I had from the people who I love um, deserved to be used in my honor. So, yes. you know, that's what I've done today. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Uh, and, and, you know, to be quite, quite honest with you, I, I did the same thing yesterday. I got paid and, you know, I went out and I don't normally do this, but Instagram got me, showed me a pair of like the new Jordans that are coming out. I don't know if you've seen those, uh, but I was like, oh, I just got paid. I'm going to, and suddenly there's, there's that, but and I, I, you know, I spent all day feeling sick. I was like, man, I probably can't justify spending like just a random $200 on a pair of shoes, but I did. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'll, I'll say that was my gift for National Podcast Day. You know, so. I think that is an excellent gift for yourself, yeah. I think. Um, unfortunately, I, I am going to show my old man colors because no, I have a, absolutely no idea what they are because I unfortunately have to buy very expensive orthopedic shoes because of a poor instep so that's where my life is at my age so yeah it's not jordan's it's ooh, i've got to get down to the uh fancy shoe store so you can measure my feet so wow that's i mean i'm so sorry to hear that that's it's just an absolute tragedy sliding downhill towards demise that's where i'm at right now so and honestly, I didn't even mean to buy these shoes. Like, I didn't even need, I, I have way too many pairs of shoes. I'm done buying, uh, uh, you know, now I'm just done buying shoes for probably for foreseeable future. I've got so, so many pairs at this point. I guess I could be at this point considered a quote unquote sneakerhead or, or, or whatever you, you call those people. But I'm not quite to the point where like I buy AI bots to. Okay, well that's good, but I believe like, sneakerhead is the right parlance that the children use on the streets these days. So. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, as a young, at least Macklemore, to... Macklemore did within his uh, his rap. So wow, so wow. I I hate to date you, but 
Macklemore is now an old. That that's an old thing. Like Uh-oh. you just you need to realize Uh-oh. that of uh, that that there's multiple Mac- generations of kids who've gone by, and I'm dying a little inside right yeah. now, Eric. I can't yeah. I can't do this. With yeah, you. it's it's unfor- it's unfortunate. Like like Uh-oh, sliding towards death. When when Macklemore, you want to hear? You want to feel really old? Nope. No. No, I mean we're gonna do it. Obviously. Okay. Just, okay. I, Take a I, guess. What grade I was in when the song Thrift Shop came out. Oh God. Oh God. You were in middle school, I'm gonna guess, weren't you? Like sixth grade. Seventh grade. Seventh oh, God. grade. I was so close. Dude, seventh I was graduated grade. from college with a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Macklemore is definitely not hip anymore. Uh, uh let me just give you that 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 sage piece of advice right now. Oh, uh, yep. All right. Cool. Not going to yeah. be a cool dad. That's going to be yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I mean, uh, so, sorry, sorry to break the news to you, but yes, Mac- Macklemore, Macklemore is past his prime. So that's, that's I mean, you know, it was, it was great news today that it was my day and bad news today that I'm much older than I thought I was. So, yeah, indeed. Let's talk about football. Football is a sport that this podcast is about, and we just spent the first 10 minutes talking about uh, National Podcast Day, sneakers, and Macklemore, which is good. Those those are all topics that deserved and needed to be covered, but the task at hand. Bengals-Dolphins. Yeah, I did something very, very, very nice for myself here, uh, Mason, because I have to, I work, my, my main source of income is I'm a radio producer for Utah State University, and uh they had their big rivalry football game last night against BYU. And uh, so I was totally plugged out of Thursday night football. Didn't even watch a second of it. And other than the Tua news, I pretty much, and this is just a wild thing, and it shows you how little I was on Twitter the past few days, until just about 10 minutes ago when I fired up the highlights on the old YouTube machine I did not know who won this game. Uh I like until until about 10 minutes ago. I honestly thought the Dolphins won. That was I was shocked when I found out the Bengals won. Uh but yes, and now we have to make a very tough transition. See, this is where national pod this is this is where podcasters make their money. This is why it's harder. This is why we're in these coal mines, these salt mines, because you think how can someone seamlessly transition between talking about how old their co-host is and making fun of them and trolling them about Macklemore to the various serious issue of CTE and concussion protocol? Well, I'm about to do just that. Um, Tua Tagovailoa takes a very scary hit, gets... I did watch it a few different times. I found the clip on Twitter. It doesn't look like his head gets slammed directly, but it's kind of more his neck area. He has a very scary, um, what they call fencing response. Don't know a ton more about that or or what that is, but it's when you put your kind of hands over your face. And uh, very, very scary moment. Down for a while stretchered off this of course after last week when it was very apparent that not according to the nfl or the dolphins 
but very apparent that he suffered a concussion against the Buffalo Bills after his head gets slammed into the ground. He wakes up, he he stands up, and then he falters going to the sideline. Just a very unfortunate event, and something, unfortunately, we have to leave this game talking about because the rest of what happened, while, while fun and entertaining, doesn't really matter because this feels like it could be very, very serious for Tua, and, like, we could be getting some very serious kind of litigation coming out of this if if things go poorly for him in the future good news was he was able to check out of the hospital and fly back on the team plane i found that kind of amazing but uh i think it's a massive failure of the nfl's player safety protocols if he even sees the field for the next one to two weeks so Watching that game, Mason, what were kind of some of your takeaways from from that really unfortunate moment? Well, so just to get the two of stuff out of the way, um, I am probably in uh, an unpopular camp of, um, I don't know, I'm willing to believe the independent medical staff that he did not suffer concussion during the Bills game. I mean, if you saw so many players going down with heat exhaustion and cramping and things like that. And if he did have a back injury and he stood up too fast with the amount of heat there was and possibly some dehydration, I could understand getting a little woozy and wobbly. And then again, getting hydrated and being able to pass a concussion protocol, something like, because again, I don't know that he was genuinely ever concussed. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, to say that, you know, it, there would be a lot of, I don't know that corruption's the right word, but there would be a lot of people who would have to either look the wrong way or be forced to look the wrong way in something that is pretty serious with somebody's personal health to allow him back on the field if he genuinely did have a, a concussion in the Bills game. Now, I, I'm also of the opinion that, you know, football is a very violent sport, things happen. And unfortunately, within to his career so far, he's been shown to be kind of injury prone. And so I'm okay with treating last week and this week as mutually exclusive events because I think they could have happened four weeks apart and we would have had this exact same outcome because you watch other quarterbacks take that same kind of swing tackle he did. And a lot of people have been arguing against it on Twitter and online saying swing tackles have no business in the game. They've outlawed them in other sports so far. I mean, I don't know how he could have tackled him better. His weight was going backwards. He had his arm locked around him and he just kind of like pulled him down with him and he whipped around. But you see other better built quarterbacks take that hit and they they don't end up watching their entire weight get whiplashed back and slammed into the ground. It's more like they end up getting set on the dude. And yeah, they might hit their back hard on the ground, but you rarely see them having their head literally just like take a full arc back into the ground. And so, you know, it's it's horrible that he got injured. And I absolutely hate that that happened in a game where it, it seemed like he was doing, a you know, not great. He wasn't having one of his better performances, but he wasn't doing poorly and to get taken out and not get able to finish. But like, I don't know that he's got the frame and he's got the build and the mentality right now to have longevity in the game. Because if you can't take the hits like that, you can't keep holding the ball long enough to let people get to you the way that he seems to. 
Now, putting all that aside, Joe Burrow also did not have the greatest of games. I mean, his it was okay. No, I, I, I want to touch on the Tua stuff really quick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Because I kind of – you said a lot of interesting stuff there. One thing I agree on, I do think there is a chance, a chance that the independent medical staff, that he did not have a concussion last week. There, There is a chance that that happened. I also think, though, that there is a chance the NFL is a, enough of a win now, get wins, winning is the only thing that matters business, that something got slightly overlooked or he got rushed through a little bit and he wasn't, you know, fully ready to come back. I would also, I would disagree with your statement, and I think this was just a, a phrase of tongue. I don't, slip of the tongue, I don't think Tua's mentality or the way he approaches the game has anything to do with physical injuries or or getting or getting injured. I do think that being a more slight quarterback obviously is going to hurt you in that in that regard. But I think to say Tua is injury prone is is kind of not where I want to take this conversation right now. I'm more to the point of just very in a very isolated incident look at, at what has happened to him the past two weeks and just say it's very unfortunate and you know the what we saw I, I think the swing tackle like you said needs the the NFL player safety commission needs to take a serious look at making changes against that but i i would just fundamentally disagree with a few things you said there about like the fact that he's proven to be injury prone less thus far like i i think he's suffered a few unfortunate injuries but i i i really do think that you have to treat bodily injuries and head injuries very, very differently just because, especially when you compound head injuries, things get very, very hairy very, very quickly. So I, I just wanted to kind of say that for, for myself. No, and that's that's totally fair. And I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, he is going to be injury prone. It's just unfortunate because like his last year in college, he gets taken out because of an injury last year. He loses games due to injury and no, he hasn't lost a game due to injury this year because of anything other than head related. And so I will totally take the pushback on that. And until we see otherwise, because he gutted his way through that back injury. And so I'm totally willing to, to, you know, take the L on and he hasn't missed any time for anything like that because yeah, head injuries are way different animals than like a leg injury. Like, you know, Mac Jones is suffering with right now. That is a very different, you know, conditioning animal. Um, anyway, you know, unfortunate. Uh, Teddy, I thought, played serviceably in his absence. Yeah. I don't know that, that honestly, there were some parts of the offense I thought looked a little bit better with Teddy in there. Um, because I, I just, it doesn't seem like Tool ever wants to leave the pocket if he doesn't have to, where Teddy likes to roll out a whole lot. And it seemed like they gave them a little bit of berth in certain places. Their red zone obviously sucked. That was just not a, a great look for them at all there. Um, I don't know that Teddy's 
you know, a long-term answer by any means. And I don't think overall he's better than Tua. I think just, I think there was probably a lot of life given to that team because of just kind of that like camaraderie aspect. You heard a lot that um, all of them spent most of the rest of the game asking about two of their coaching staff and, and seeing how he was doing. And so I think, you know, you might've gotten a little bit of life breathed into him because Teddy had a couple of really, really nice drives throughout the game. Uh, there was a lot of stinkers too, but that was on both sides of the, of the game. Neither offense was looking particularly like super crisp today. There was a lot of misfires, especially on Pete balls. Yeah. I thought Teddy looked really, really good. I, and, and I think the, the advantage of having Teddy right now is that the offense doesn't really take a step back when he's in a quarterback. Like it, it's still the same offense. He still do does the same thing that Tua can do. And I think, with that, you really have to think about giving Tua a week or two off because I think you can you can remain competitive if Teddy is your starter. And aside from really the deep ball miss that Teddy had, he played really, really well. And, and, and uh, you know, Teddy always plays well. He's He's a conservative, safe quarterback, but in the right system, he has proven that he can be a player that can move the ball and make plays. And and that's well, that's what he did. This, in this is it one. too. This yeah. is that system. I mean, if, if anything, like your star on that offense is Tyreek Hill. Right. I mean, Tua obviously is the guy you want to eventually be the one you're hitching your wagon to. But right now, the way it's built, Tyreek Hill is the dude. I mean, he still went 10 of 14 for 160 yards this game. Like that's the dude who's carrying your offense like an absolute wagon. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to talk about the Bengals just for a second before we get to the rest of these games. I, I need you to help me understand this because you obviously watched more of a full game. I understand why Bengals fans are not fans of Zach Taylor right now. Going for the field goal when he does, that's unfortunate. Your offense is playing really well. You should have gone for a touchdown there. But ultimately, that doesn't hurt them. And I honestly thought that they had extremely good play calling. They, they have realized that the offensive line is not a strength and they've transitioned to more of a West Coast, like quick passing type screens to T. Higgins and slants to Jamar Chase type offense. And I think we sat here on this podcast, me and YB, about two weeks ago and said, hey, like we need this, we need Zach Taylor to make adjustments. And he did. The Bengals gave up. Let me just take a look here. One sack last night, one yep. sack. And that wasn't because the offensive line was great. The Dolphins got pressure most of the night, but it was because Joe Burrow just didn't hold the ball. He got rid of the ball. He threw quickly and he looked like he did last year when that offense was having success by getting the ball out quickly. They they tried too much at the beginning of the year to be this hold the ball, hold the ball, deep shot, huge play offense. And with the offensive line they have, that's just not what they are. And I think if they transition to more of this quick-style offense, they're right back there as one of the top teams in the AFC North, and they they have a pretty nice test next week against the Ravens. Uh, and Joe Burrow's playing his best going into that stretch. I thought – so I guess to transition to my question here, I thought play calling was not an issue. 
what why why do you think Bengals fans online and and just within that stadium because they were getting booed some of the night like why were they so unhappy with Zach Taylor I thought he called a pretty good game and kept the weaknesses hidden I mean if I had to guess from from what I've been able to surmise from it I think their biggest issue is the way that Joe Mixon is being used uh, I mean, I think he had eight carries for something like 24 yards or something last night. I mean, it, it he, and it's, and that has not been atypical for the first That's three not weeks. right. That's just, sorry. I have to push That's back. That's not but, right. You're not right. But, I know. I was guessing I, what I saw, but it's that, not good. He, 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 he touched the ball a lot, actually. And I, I think that's Sorry. more on the offensive line to be completely No, and honest. it is. And that's, and that's, I, I, can I just I read can yeah. I read this to you really quick? Please, if you've got a stat. I, I think, there, you, I I think you I think you got it slightly mixed up. He actually carried the ball Uh-oh. 24 times. Like, and no, he only got 61 yards. So I, I'm not arguing that it wasn't a great night, but he he got opportunities. It's that. just that they they, just they aren't blocking. Guy. There it is. It's okay. But yeah, no, I I, I, I can I can understand that as well. You with me, Mason? Oh, it looks like Mason may have frozen for a second while uh, grabbing some stats. Are you back with me, Mason? I lost yep. you for a second there. All right. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely died on me there. So, yeah, yeah. you have those stats from out there. Yeah, no. 24 carries, 61 yards. Yeah. So, not great. Thank but, you. you know. I think it's I, the offensive line, though. And I think the that offensive you're right. line, yeah. He's, he's, he's trying to go with a more pass happy and again you go with those short passes and that effectively kind of somewhat serves as your run game sometimes I think they're doing the same thing that you see happening in Buffalo right now where it's we don't have a run game we're just not capable of of doing that for whatever reason but we can pass so let's just do that and they did a a pretty good job of it overall with a lot of it I mean their tight ends just really made play after play for them yeah that long Hayden Hurst great yeah t higgins had a great night hayden hurst i i know the stat sheet doesn't show it but for at least from the highlights he had that one great play in the first first uh first quarter he could be more he could stand to get a little bit more involved i think he's kind of one of the more underrated players or around i think i i really enjoy hayden hurst i think he's a good player but yeah t higgins what a huge night seven for 124 uh, you know hard hard to beat that yeah, no, I think they got two really great receiving tight ends, so that's going to be a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. All right, let's take a look at some of these games uh, from the upcoming week, and then let's get out of here. Um, I want to start – we can get to the um, – let's just start with with the game we're, we're both going to watch here on sun, uh, on Sunday, and that is I checked my, five, my 506 sports map. I get it here, thank God. I, I did not want to have to watch this on Red Zone. I wanted to sit down. This will be the first time in three weeks I'm not watching Red Zone because there's a game on in my area that I just want to see from start to finish, and that's Bills-Ravens. Uh, two very, very interesting teams. The Bills seem like they're getting a little bit healthier on secondary. Is that right? They're getting a few guys back this week, correct? A, a tiny bit, yes. Uh, Jordan Poyer is still questionable, so that might go. Um, 
Dane Jackson, crazily enough, is currently questionable. And as far as he's concerned, he says he's going to go. So, I mean, that's great. But uh, we uh, Christian Bemford is definitely out for the week. So while we do get a couple of guys back, we also lose a couple of guys. And they picked up Xavier Howard, and he's already hurt. So that – or not, uh, Xavier, Xavier Rhodes. Rhodes. And, he, yeah. and he's, he's already hurt. So that's a solid way to start the – career off there so it's still slightly depleted um secondary but um i as long as jordan poyer shows up i think that there's at least enough quality back there to get through a game is and then uh is kair uh, elam playing yet with all these injuries yeah he's actually he's been playing since uh week one he did get in the game towards the end he hasn't i think he's actually did start last week with all the injuries but he has been in he just christian benford clearly took uh his role as the starter and i don't think it was necessarily because Kyrie or elon looked bad it was just benford looked so good in practices that they just wanted to get him in there first but gotcha. now he's down so i think i'm pretty sure elon's going to be getting the start on the other side there good. opposite of dane jackson as long as he comes back Interesting to see how he plays. This is a this is a nice kind of cornerback test. Rashad Bateman uh has played very well for the Ravens. Devin Duvernay, by the way, not like he's only his career high for yardage, I believe, in a year receiving is like 527 yards. My guess is he eclipses that this year. Like he he has looked very good through the first three games of the season he gives them kind of an interesting deep threat and kind of red zone guy to work with them and mark andrews is like slightly maybe but like i I believe this is he's going for something crazy like his 50th game with 50 receiving yards like this is uh, um like i i get everyone is in love with travis kelsey i get that like he he is very good but Mark Andrews is just as good, if not better, than Travis Kelsey and, and just as good a player and means just as much to his offense. The catch he made last week oh, uh, against the the um, the Patriots, not only was it a spectacular throw by Lamar, but it was an even better catch by Andrews. I, I really, you know, I, I've got this kind of man, burgeoning man crush on the Ravens because I don't think the defense is as bad as advertised. I get that statistically you can't make that argument, but you can see the pieces every week. Kyle Hamilton makes a big play last week. Marcus Williams had a few nice tackles. Like this is going to be a defense that's really going to be playing well in November. But right now, this this game to me feels like a huge, huge shootout is is waiting to happen. Over-unders at 51, that's almost always, always a trap. Uh, but I like traps, so I might take the over there because that that feels like it's gonna be a fun, fun game. I don't uh, Bill, I don't think Bills have hit the over once yet this year. Mm. I think they've always been over, despite the fact that they scored 41 points on a team, they still missed the over by 0.5 that game. So that's uh so far, at least this year's history, a scary bet going the over on a Bills game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's going to be a really uh, interesting game, and I think it will be high scoring. And I think the biggest thing that's going to determine this game, and I think it's in the Bills' favor, is third down efficiency. The Ravens are pretty low on it. 13 to 34 so far mm-hmm. on third down, one to three on fourth down versus the Bills 25 of 41 and four of six. 
So that is a pretty decisive gap in third and fourth down efficiency from both teams. But, I mean, the quarterback show we're going to get, I think, is going to be absolutely outstanding. I mean, if they aren't the two front runners for MVP right now. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, even with totally. the loss in, you totally know, agree. Miami last week, Josh still put up over 400 yards. And yep. Looked incredible. Yeah, and I think the Bills are really going to come out with something to prove after how that game ended. I I would not be shocked if Ken Dorsey tries to run the ball early. Because I think you can run on the Ravens right now. And that's been a major critique all this week is is that Bill's offense to Josh Allen-centric. This feels like a good game that to early at least try to establish the running game a little bit more. I Let me ask you a question. Why doesn't Zach Moss get more touches? Like, it feels like one out of every three times he touches the ball, he creates like a 10 to 15 yard gain. Like he had a really nice run against the dolphins as well. Like I I don't understand why he isn't more involved in the rushing attack. This is also a biased question as a Utah fan. (laughs) I think, I think the bigger problem is, is those two or three other ones almost never go for any gain at all. He just hits the line and it just ends there. He has, he doesn't seem to have any ability to take one cut and just go upfield and actually get anything unless there's actually a hole there that he is galloping through. Um, I, I, I haven't, you know, sat down and genuinely watched every single one of his snaps, but just mm-hmm. from, from how it felt, it's either absolutely nothing at all, or it is one of those big runs and the big runs are nice. But when you've got Devin Singletary on the field, who, who does a good job at usually picking up, two to three yards and slipping out of one tackle to get that. And James Cook has looked a little bit better and, you know, with the receiving threat he is, but I mean, Zach Moss is a pretty good receiving threat too. I think really his bigger issue outside of all of those things is depth. And it's not that he, you know, we have amazing running backs. It's they're all kind of average. And so it's kind of hard to put one on the field long-term over the other ones. Yeah, And who knows, maybe it's because he's getting boxes stacked against him when he's in there because they do rotate their backs a lot. And so it would put him out to either, you know, run into that brick wall or just get carries taken away from him. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. So that's Bill's Ravens. Let's hit on uh, two or three more games very quickly and then (laughs) get out of here. Uh, Broncos Raiders, very brief thoughts on this one uh for me just because i i I do like to hit the broncos each week uh this feels like a really bad spot for denver i i don't know if you feel the same way but this is a raiders team that has been kind of embarrassed for first three weeks coming home josh mcdaniels apparently had a very public meeting with mark davis last week like this feels like the Raiders might come out and play their best game of the year. And if that happens, the Broncos are probably going to lose. This feels like it could get embarrassing. See, I don't, I just, from what I've seen of the Raiders in the first three weeks, I don't know that they have it in them to embarrass just about anybody out there, especially considering all the weird wins that teams have pulled off this year. But I, I just I don't see it on their team right now, especially with what McDaniel's showing us from from what he's done with it. I mean, 
there's going to be growing pains with a new coach, I suppose, in some kinds. And it's one of the nastiest divisions in all of football. But man, three straight losses is not something that fits really well. And and so I, I mean, I can understand where you're coming from because. You know, you don't want to be the team they turn it around on, and and I, you know, that it's a a horrible place to to be at when that zero win team is. And you're the team who has to be the one that they take down. But I think that there's at least enough tangential talent on uh, the Broncos that you can at least grind out a win against them. It's probably going to be. I think it's going to be pretty close. I don't think it's going to be super high yeah. scoring. Yeah. Um. It's but because they just the Raiders have not seemed confident. Yeah, there is that. I I agree, but I just kind of think that a close game is what the Raiders want to be in. Um, probably they they can't really keep up in an offensive track meet. I don't think. And this is not going to be, this is just not going to be that. So this one is what I'll have my eye on on the afternoon, of course. But if you are not a Broncos fan or a Raiders fan, I would not recommend you watch this game. It is <laughs> not going to be super entertaining. Um, Let's just rapid fire, go through a few other big ones here. Why don't you pick one really quick and tell me what you're looking for in it? I mean, you know, the the heavyweight one here, Tampa Bay KC. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about heavyweight this year. I mean, Tampa Bay has three offensive touchdowns in three weeks. Like, that is not the offense that you're used to seeing with Tom Brady at the helm of it. You're used to seeing at least a little bit more quality out of that in there. And, I mean, I, I feel like last week that loss against the Colts was more indicative of Casey making a lot of mistakes that they shouldn't have made. And that that's like one of those sloppy losses that you can clean up as your year goes on. Like you take it on the chin and you move on and you can learn from it a little bit and go there. Um, so I think honestly, if Tampa Bay keeps showing us what they've been showing us the last couple of weeks and Casey turns it around, like I assume an Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes led offense can do, I think Tampa Bay is about to get punched in the mouth. Yeah. On, on the other hand, if they can just survive this and go three and one, it feels like they're, they're a team just waiting to get healthy and figure themselves out. And there's really no better three game set to figure yourselves out than the next three the Bucks get, which are the Falcons, the Steelers, and the Panthers. So even if they get punched in the mouth here, it's not the worst thing in the world because you can kind of see them get right over the month of October and then late October they play the Ravens. That'll be their first real test. And then the schedule gets tough going out, uh, finishing off the season. But it, if you can get go three and one here, you're probably – in the mix for a one seed. If not, you're probably more kind of thinking about still winning the NFC South probably, but this, this does feel like a big game really early. I, I don't like the schedule makers on some of these bills, both this game and bills Ravens feels like these games are just way too early in the year. Uh, not, I felt like not, a lot of divisional games have hit really early this year too. Am I like crazy about that? But it feels like every week there's like five divisional games going on. It's been yeah, wild. No, the crazier part of that is uh, Titans Colts, 
who will not only play each other, which we can now talk about this, not only play each other this Sunday, but then they'll have one week apart and then back again in week. What will that be? Six. <sighs> so that that's crazy. You should not have that second matchup until December. Like, I guess the December matchups for the Titans are kind of look like the Jaguars, which I guess makes sense anyways, because it seems like the Jaguars are more in a position to win that. But transitioning to this game, this is a huge game between the Titans and the Colts because it feels like the loser of this game is probably out of the division race with what yeah. the Jaguars look like and and how that division is shaking out. Like, you can survive being 2-2 two and two or 2-1-1 two or two one and one or whatever you want to call it for the Colts, but you cannot be 1-3. and three. You, cannot, you cannot be a one-win team going into week four because the Jaguars are just going to consistently kind of have a game on you. So... I've, well, and this, in the way the AFC is too, if you lose this game now, you're going to have to stack a win or two against somebody you have no business beating. Right. Yeah. So it, this one feels like a huge game. Uh, I, I still don't think the Colts are very good. Matt Ryan. Yeah. I've watched that Chiefs Colts game a little bit more this week. He he just looks lost um, and, and like a declining quarterback and like someone who's gonna have a really terrible year in Indianapolis and retire. That that feels like where we're at with Matt Ryan's career right now, personally. Yeah, no, you're right. It definitely feels like the bizarro version of the Phillips River story on, on in the Colts. It's yeah. just gonna be a really sad and long year. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Matt Ryan, but that's kind of been the story of Matt Ryan's career. You can never really I have never been able to properly evaluate Matt Ryan. He's always just kind of been somewhere in the middle and sometimes he's good and sometimes he's bad, but you know, lots of people talk about like, we're, we're both familiar with like the Dalton scale and lots of people per point to like Kirk cousins. I think over the past 10 years, if I had to pick like a middle point of quarterback play, that depends entirely on surroundings. I would say that guy is Matt Ryan uh, because when things are going good around him, he really performs. And when things are not, he, he does not look great. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Let's talk about the other team in that division. Uh, the Jaguars play the Eagles. How, how much Jaguars hype are we going to get if Jacksonville goes into Philadelphia and beats the Eagles? Oh, are you kidding? All of it. There, there'll be a top five team in like at least half of the national power rankings if they beat the Eagles. Like zero questions. Yeah, I, I like. Listen, I, I'm I not never might buy it. All I'm saying is that is definitely what happens. Yeah, I know. I, I feel you. I feel like anyone who doesn't like fall in love with the Jaguars is kind of being portrayed as like a Jaguars haters. And trust me, I'm not a Jaguars hater. Like I want them to be good, but like, come on, like Trevor Lawrence is doing fundamental stuff right now. Like he's not doing anything super special yet. And like, I get it. You see the flashes. They're just a really good team right now, but still like, some people like if they win this, you're right. The national media is going to say, Whoa, oh, don't sleep on the Jaguars, they could make some noise. 
this team is not going anywhere in January. No matter, I I care less if they win twelve to thirteen games in the regular season. This team just does not have what it takes to compete with the top of the AFC. It it'll be a fun story, and they'll be they'll be a nice story, and hopefully they'll build on that and make good signings this offseason and draft well. But I I I'm you know I I'm not I'm not going to be a person that's ever like oh. Can the Jaguars actually do this? Because no, no, they can't. This this is not going to be a team that compete. Uh, like I get the Chargers are, you know, as unfortunately I have to say this now, the Chargers are frauds. Like you, beating the Chargers means nothing. The Texans might beat the Chargers this week. So. No, with with Justin Herbert, where he's at right now, they're not. He was he was the reason they were, you know thought of as contenders and with him and being now they're right all, now and, and not now playing every single should be every single player on their team is hurt now just yeah. we'll go to we'll go to chargers texans uh joey bosa just like uh, now out for probably a month not not great yeah not great. I, I saw and, hit ir yeah and and, and no rashad slayer for the rest of the year the Texans beat the Chargers last year in this game. Davis Mills is playing nowhere near as good. I think the Chargers will win this one, but but that's one to keep an eye on. Finally, but this is the last one that really interests me here on the day, looking at this, this schedule. Um, shout out Blinds, who are a pet team of mine. They All their stars are hurt, uh, but it'll be a very good litmus test of can you win at home. Can because the Lions should be, if we believe in Dan Campbell, if we believe that the Lions are on the right track, you should be able to be a really bad team like the Seattle Seahawks with your slightly better roster at home. If the Lions lose this game, I feel I'm done kind of being like, oh, this is a positive year where they can hang around in the division. You, This is a must win for the Detroit Lions. No, that's super fair. I mean, this is definitely the game that will let us know if Dan Campbell has him on the right track or not. Yeah, I hope he does, man. I love that guy. Yeah, me too. Ho- hopefully, but you can only say that so many times and then have a coach do things like last week he clearly lost them the game and like week one they kind of lost because of stupid mistakes as well. Yeah. If If you go one and three, like, all the positive juice around your team sort of disappears. So yeah, I mean, likable and talented are two totally different things. Like, yeah. do I want to go get a beer with Sean McDermott? I mean, like, obviously, yes, because you know, coach of my favorite football team, that'd be fun. But like, objective point of view, would not be anywhere near my first choice of coaches in the league to go get a beer with. But he's clearly very competent coaching a football team. So you know, maybe you know, you know, keep that in account when <laughs> how much I like him. All right. Uh, lastly, I do want to talk about this because he's my dear, dear Utah boy, Zach Wilson. Uh, is this going to end in any other way other than spectacular failure? Because it feels like he is set up for a spectacular failure here. It it there's there's a point where it becomes almost tragic that no matter how turned around the Jets feel before a season starts, the season starts and it's just like so fast. 
that it just like spirals out of control and we're all just in here going like, I don't know what happened to the Jets, but it's just like an absolute nightmare over there. And so yeah, it'd be nice to see him come back and do well, but man, it does not feel like he's being set up to come back and have any success at all. And it's not like the Steelers are good either. Like No, it really, really are. I mean, especially with TJ Watt being missing, like that was really the guy who made a lot of that move. And like, Really, you have to win this game or else you are like staring at one and six because your next four games are the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos, and the Patriots. Let's throw the Patriots out of it because they probably don't have Mac Jones at that, that point. I, you I know, know how tough, tough, tough. So <laughs> you, you, you know, you know how pessimistic I am. About the Broncos. If the Broncos lose to the Jets in New York, I will be, I will, I will. That's time to sell the farm. Yeah, that's it right there. I will Get your punter paid and get the hell out of there. Yeah, I will die because the the Broncos should absolutely beat the Jets. Even if it's a close, ugly game, the Broncos should beat the Jets. The Jets schedule. Let's be super clear. Their one win was like the miracle of miracles. (laughs) Right. And then... And then it doesn't get any easier after that thrown out Patriots game because then you play the Bills at home and then you probably really get embarrassed. And then the rest of the way is, oh, also difficult. Like, I I, I don't know. I'm looking at the, the Jets schedule and maybe you could pull this up too. I see, like, if they don't win this... St- oh, hold on. Come on. I see... Like, if they don't win this game, are you still with me? I may have to reconnect yep. my AirPods. No, I'm, can Siri, you Siri okay. popped up. So, oh, uh, I hate it when that happens. Um, the winnable games on this schedule, Steelers, Patriots twice, Bears, Seahawks. That's it. And the Seahawks are away. One Patriots game is away. The Steelers game is away. So, like, there's a very real chance this is, again, like a five-win team. Like, uh, I, I I don't know. But just there is. Like, I mean, in fairness, if the Lions and the Jaguars take a bad turn in their season, those could, I guess, possibly be winnable games for them, too. So, I, you know. I think I the mean, Jaguars will always hang around. I, I, I don't think you can classify. Like I said, I'm not there with the Jaguars as an AFC contender yet, but I don't look at the Jaguars as a winnable game against bad teams anymore. Just feels like I, I, their pass. I don't know that the Jets probably could, especially if, if their pass rush is healthy. Like they their pass rush has been destructive. And that's really been I think their biggest saving grace. Josh Allen doing dirty things to people, no matter which one it is. Oh man. I just hope I hope Zach Wilson is okay, and I hope if it doesn't work out in New York, he gets a real shot with a real surrounding cast. Hey, maybe he can go to Carolina and compete with Baker and Sam, too. Yeah. Carolina, where quarterback busts go to die. So, (laughs) yeah. Briefly, Carolina, uh, Arizona, two teams I really – this is a game I will go out of my way not to watch even the highlights of. Uh, but l- let me just get this take out of the way, Mason. 
I am sick and tired of people telling me Kyler Murray is a top 10 NFL quarterback because he is not like I get that he, and I'm not disputing that he's talented. He is very talented. He has just as much raw talent as some of these top passers in the league. He's got the raw talent of a Patrick Mahomes of a Josh Allen, but the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray is they put it all together and they're consistent. And that's something that I've noticed over the past little while. I've always been a quarterback guy, always been a guy that likes armchair analyzing quarterbacks. The thing that makes quarterbacks great is not their physical talent because most of these guys can do awe-inspiring stuff. Most of them can What sets apart elite quarterbacks is consistent play. And Kyler Murray has never once in his career been a consistent quarterback. And I'm just, I'm done. Sorry, just had to get that off my chest. I'm just, I'm no longer about people being like, oh yeah, man, but Cardinals, Kyler Murray, that's pretty frisky. Like, no, no, like it's not. He's just like, he's slightly like he, to me, you can put Kyler Murray in the same conversation as like Kirk Cousins. Like they're just kind of middle of the road guys. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm done with people telling me that he's so elite. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I think I'll agree with you, honestly. And I think it's because for me, when you see those special moments from him, it's like this heroic comeback that almost never should have happened. And he made it happen. And it's like, well, that's really nice that that happened. But when do you ever put a team away? When, when is it ever you look at the Cardinals box score and it's like, oh, they were up by three touchdowns and absolutely just slaughtered that team. They put they just put their foot on the gas and they never held off. It feels like anytime he's spectacular or clutch, it's, it's great that it happens and it's these awe-inspiring moments. But I think you're right that it kind of clouds people's judgment of his overall career where he just hasn't been as impressive on a consistent enough basis to really elevate his team overall Hmm. before we go google just recommended this to me our you know our our over our technological overlords just threw this on me uh just throw me trending topic giselle and tom news so let's just let's just check out the top three headlines uh, just headlines. We we haven't read these articles. Just the top three Absolutely. headlines about Giselle and Tom Brady. Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen reunite. Dot dot dot. But at a distance. Ooh. Second headline. Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen are staying separately while in Miami. Okay. Interesting. Three. Tom Brady versus Giselle Bunchen. Colon. Experts believe they experience invisible divorce after passing. Don't know what any of that means. And won't provide any further context. But that's what's going on with Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen. Just in case anyone was wondering. Just okay, they're they're communicating at a distance in Miami separately from one another, and there may be an invisible lawyer involved. That all sounds very standard for pretty much Tom Brady's life. Yes, yeah, yeah, sounds great. Well, Mason, thank you so much for joining me yet again. This has been a lot of fun. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and I'll see you next week. Awesome, thanks for having me, man.
All right, you can follow us on Twitter at EndZonePod. We'll be back next week. Trey Watkins coming back as a guest to join me and Brad on Tuesday. Also, maybe another special guest as well. Might be a four-man show. We'll be back Tuesday. Pioneer Pig Scene coming out tomorrow night. All the games in Utah will be done by about 4 or 5 p.m. So hopefully out by 8 or 9. Enjoy your football weekend. Peace out.